0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Crowd News Podcast. I am your host, Steven Martinez, on a Thursday, November 7th, 2019. Fun show for you today. Uh, we finally got our first college football playoff rankings of the year, and there were some level of controversy surrounding uh, the number four seed currently and the first team out. Uh, we will, I'm not going to spoil that for you because it's just, we're, we're not even a minute into the show. We're not going to get, we're not going to hit the ground running. I got to do, that's what's called the tease. I start talking about something and then I don't finish it. So that way you have to stick around and, uh, listen to it. You, you won't, but I mean, just, you know, we, we got to try our hardest. Uh, so we have our first college football playoff rankings. We're going to talk about those for a little bit. Obviously we have our college football picks of the week. We have our NFL picks of the week. Um, oh, and college football, there was some news that I do uh, want to get into concerning one of uh, what used to be considered the crown jewels of the West Coast. So uh, and there's another tease for you there. Some news coming out of uh, the Pac-12 that we will get into. Uh, college basketball started. We had no coverage on that um, preseason or last week because I had, I'm going to be honest with you, had no idea the college basketball season was starting uh, this previous Tuesday night, came out of absolutely nowhere, and I told you, I had, this sim- I had a similar um, dilemma, I guess you could say, or issue with the NBA season, totally locked in on the NFL and college, I had no idea, I knew basketball was coming back, but I didn't know exactly when, and then out of nowhere, I saw a commercial NBA tips off this Thursday or Tuesday or whatever, and I said, oh, I, I actually need to do a show about that. I have to get that in the show. Uh, by the time I saw the college basketball commercial, it was far too late. I think it was like Monday or Sunday. Um, and, you know, after the the show came out last Thursday. So we missed it. Oh, well, I guess. Um, look, it's kind of hard doing a preseason for college basketball anyway because there's, you know, you get 64 teams in the tournament, 68 teams total. I mean, it's hard to pick a preseason champion and it's rarely rarely who you think it's going to be. Last year everyone was picking Duke in the preseason and everyone was picking Duke uh to begin the tournament. Those were both wrong. I was out on Duke from the very beginning. This year I don't know if I'm I don't I I don't, I don't have any bias on any teams this season. I like uh, Carolina, big Cole Anthony fan, but again, my ultimate formula for winning a national championship in college basketball is the more veteran season teams. And right now that would be Michigan State, but they're already 0-1 on the season uh via loss to Kentucky. And of course it's one game. We're gonna play from now until February and then into March for the postseason. So there's a long way to go. I'm not I'm not burying Michigan State yet, but wait it might be a good thing, is what I'm trying to say, that we did not have a preseason episode. For college basketball because trying to pick a final four and then a national champion in november or october is is i mean you're trying to find a needle in the world's largest haystack it's 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 nearly impossible but it did start so i'm gonna i'm very excited that college basketball is back we did watch uh the duke kansas game it's gonna be a much different duke team okay this is not going to be the Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett high-flying scoring team. They're going to be very similar to like a Syracuse team, uh, maybe last year's Virginia team. And not to say that they're going to be national champions or a Final Four team, because again, I'm not getting into that. What I mean by that is they're going to be purely defense. They're going to be a defensive team, top to bottom. They're not going to have the isolation go-to scorers that they did last year with even cam reddish uh rj barrett and zion williamson they're going to have to play team defense this is going to be a more traditional duke team that we're going to see this year it's not going to be any one player it's going to have to be one to 15 and they're all going to have to play defense as a unit and we saw that against kansas uh on tuesday night kansas had over i want to say 15 turnovers in the game they played horrendous and i don't and again it's one game. I'm saying the same thing about the Lakers. Everyone was burying the Lakers. Started off 0-1. Now I believe they're 6-1. <laughs> it was one game. But, dissecting that one game. Kansas did not play well offensively, though I don't think it was necessarily their fault. I think that was more a testament to Duke's defense. And again, it's the first game of the year. Have not played since early March, if you're Kansas. Mid-March, if you're Duke and Duke specifically is a brand new team because, again, they've fallen into that one-and-done trap where they've had to replace entire rosters year in and year out. Um, But Kansas is a little bit more experienced bringing it back, Yudoka Azabuki. He did not play very well at all, but, again, I give that... um, I attest that to Duke's defense, not so much Kansas um, having an inability to score. I think they'll figure it out. It's one game. So there's that. There's your college basketball Um, I guess, preview, breakdown of what we saw uh, Tuesday night. Cole Anthony on, I believe it was, yeah, Wednesday night, today's Thursday. I'm lost on my days. Last night or two nights ago, I don't remember. Cole Anthony's first game, though, with Carolina, stud. I mean, stud. He went off, I believe he had like 34 points. I don't have the stat um, in front of me currently, but he, I mean, he already cemented himself in one night as the star of college basketball. He is 2019-2020's star, okay? He's going to be the guy that we're going to be talking about throughout the season. Huge fan of his. I was a fan of him at Oak Hill, okay? I mean, last summer, two years ago, all in on Cole Anthony. If you know me personally, you know how much I love Cole Anthony. Very excited to see him play with the Tar Heels, okay? I cannot cannot wait for the season to develop. Can't wait to see him in Tobacco Road, in the tournament. And so on and so forth. But again, I can't stress this enough. It was one game. It's one game. And we and we're gonna be playing into we haven't even gotten to the tournaments, okay? It's been one game. Feast week, which is uh the week of Thanksgiving, that's why they call it Feast Week, is let's say two weeks from or maybe three weeks from now, because Thanksgiving is three weeks from today. So yeah, about three weeks until tournament time, um, we're gonna be seeing teams in Atlantis, we're gonna be seeing teams at Maui Gym, the PK eighty. Neutral floors we'll have a slightly better idea of what teams are going to look like, and even still i'm not going to crown a team or bury a team after feast week after tournament season because they're going to be playing way into March into next calendar year don't forget the way Oklahoma played two years ago uh with Trey Young. They came out of the gates on fire, they were the program, the hottest program in college basketball maybe the best offensive team in college basketball for the first half of that season and then they just totally derailed and they lost in the first round to Rhode Island that year who Rhode Island is traditionally a very good team uh, one of the better mid-major teams in the country but if you're Oklahoma and you're Trey Young you probably should win against Rhode Island in the first round of the tournament so that's just a, a trying to I'm trying to point out teams are going to be much different in February Compared to what they were in November, you're going to have teams that come out of the gates rolling in, in, in uh, tournament week, feast week, you know, early before, you know, conference uh, schedule even starts. And then as the season progresses and teams start to figure them out and the coaching gets a little bit better, you know, they're going to get worse. And then vice versa, you're going to see teams that start off really slow. Michigan State could be one of those teams. They lost their first game. So, I mean, you know, not a huge deal. They like to start off 1 0, much better feeling than being 0 1. But they're going to get better. They're only going to get, they're led by Cassius Winston, you know, veteran season guard. I love those players. They're going to get better. Teams will get worse. So it's, all, it's uh, up to us to watch how the season develops. It's going to be a lot of fun. And don't be sad that we're missing Zion Williamson, okay, or we're missing RJ Barrett. That's kind of the double edged sword with this, this one and done uh, rule that the NBA has. You're going to have stars in college basketball, and they're not going to stick around. Each season, you're going to have to learn new players. You're going to have to learn new teams. Teams are going to be different from one year to the next, like this year's Duke team. It's a completely different team than last year. Almost top to bottom. They have returned players uh, from last year's team, has the Blue, Blue, Blue Duke Blue Devils, but it's not the same style of team. It just It just isn't. And that's the problem with college, uh, with the the one and done. I think if you get rid of that, you let guys go into the NBA straight out of high school. The guys who want to be in college are going to return, and you'll have the kind of it'll 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 be throwback college basketball where teams will return players, and you'll have dynasties in college basketball again. It's only a matter of time. Okay, they're going to fix that because I think this is part of the problem. You only get Zion Williamson for one year in college basketball. It you know better than no years, I I suppose. But I'm sure Duke would love to have returned Zion Williamson for a second or third year um, in Cameron Indoor. So there's your little uh, college basketball coverage, I guess. Wasn't planning on it. That was just totally off the dome. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Really did not plan on doing college basketball today. And yet, here we are. College basketball is just that much fun. I love college sports. You know this. And college basketball, it's it's just... it's. So much fun. I could literally watch any team, any game. I don't care. It doesn't have to be Duke, Syracuse, Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, Florida. It doesn't have to be any major schools. I can watch college basketball. There's so many different teams and, and philosophies and, and schemes. I love college basketball so much. I know I'm going into my Bill Walton mode right now. How much I love everything in this world is a, a beautiful environment for all of us. Inhabitants that... Uh, walk across the the universe and trying my best here to do my uh my bill walton but the point is college basketball is back and it is tons of fun and i can and by the way speaking of that bill walton is back i cannot wait to watch pac-12 basketball and have bill walton not call games and just talk about nothing and say everything i love it some people can't stand bill walton I can't stand those people. If you don't like Bill Walton, there's something wrong with you because Bill Walton is just he's just a genuine person. He's not trying to spew nonsense, which he is doing because what he says has absolutely nothing to do with basketball probably 98% of the time. But you know he believes in what he's saying. Whatever it is he is saying, he totally believes in it. And I kind of like that. It's it's lots of fun. It fits the pack. It fits the Pac-12. He will be commentating the Maui Gym tournament actually as he does every single year. Um that'll be lots of fun. Maui gym's actually my favorite tournament. That is my favorite tournament of Feast Week because they usually have the best or the, the highest quality um tournament as far as teams that are, are represented in, in the Maui Gym tournament. They usually have the best bracket. Um it's the best location. If you're a student manager or if you're if you're like a student currently. At a school who is going to the Maui gym tournament. You need to do everything in your power. If it's not too late to fill out an application and get into the basketball program at any cost. If it's as a manager, if it's, if it's as a water uh, distributor, um, if it's a, a towel distributor, whatever your role is. If there is still time, you have to absolutely do everything in your power to get into that role. Because you go to Hawaii for free. And you get to do almost whatever you want. You get to go to Maui for free. That's it. I, I don't really have to elaborate much more on that. If you get to go to Hawaii for free, I mean, I don't. Why are you even still here? You need to get on your, your, your laptop, Safari, whatever it is. You need to find a way to get on the basketball team. You know, and the players as well. You know, it's probably. It'd be hard for me to focus. I'm glad I'm not a college basketball player because if I was and I was going to Maui gym. I'd probably have some of the worst games of my life because I'd, I'd be sunburned, number one. i burn very easily. Number two, you're in Hawaii, again, for free. How are you focused on playing basketball currently? And it's probably the best tournament that commentators love to go to because, again, you're in Hawaii for free. So Bill Walton will be in Hawaii there for the Maui Gym Tournament. Uh, and it'll be lots of fun to watch. I watch Maui Gym Tournament every single year. cannot wait. Uh, for that to roll around this year. Now on to our picks for the week. And for the second week in a row, we will be picking the NFL uh, first before we do our our college football picks because we do have a college football story and I don't want to go college football picks, NFL picks, and then go back to college football. I'd like to tie it all together nice and uh, wrap it into a bow. So we're going to get into the NFL uh, right now. Finally got back to 500 last week. We're 12 and 12 on the year. We had our first winning week in the NFL in a very long time. Okay? It we have not built much momentum, which is incredibly frustrating considering I am the psychic, okay? Psychic Steve has struggled this year picking the NFL games. College football, I mean, I've I've been a monster. I'm just I'm I'm to be honest with you, I've I've been I've been godlike, okay? I'm quite frankly. In the NFL have struggled. Finally got back to 500. Looking to get over 500, and actually the opposite happened. We're now back under 500 again, where we've been, you know, we where we have been for most of the season. Uh, 13 and 14 now is our record picking games in the NFL. Pretty uh, atrocious by my own standards, uh, if I'm being honest. We had uh, 49ers over the Cardinals. Gimme, and then we had the Vikings over the Chiefs. That did not happen. Harrison Butker. Um, turned into prime Adam Terry, and you know what? I can't even. I'm not even going to get mad at Harrison Butker. Have Harrison Butker on my fantasy team. I picked the Chiefs to lose only because they didn't need to win that game, and they did. They weren't going to have Pat Mahomes. You know, I figured what you don't. You really don't need to win this game. It has nothing to do with your division. Nothing to do with your conference. Who cares? And Harrison Butker hit two monster field goals, including the game-winning field goal as time expired giving me 18 fantasy points. Now, I know you're probably thinking, how the heck did Harrison Butker, a kicker, give you 18 fantasy points? Well, I'll tell you, I do have bonuses uh, in, in place for kicker. So, if it's a 30-yarder, it's three points, 40 for four, and then 50 for five. Um, so, he had a 50-yarder, and another 40-yarder, and then a bunch of extra points and a few more field goals. He had a bunch of stuff, so he gave me 18 points. So, you know what? That I'll take that loss on the chin because it led to a win in fantasy and quite honestly that is much more important uh, than just picking random games on the podcast. I'm going to be honest, fantasy is 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 king in my life. So that's, you know, we're not going to get mad at that one. And then finally we had the Patriots over the Ravens. That one I I can't really get mad at that one either. You know, we had a losing week in the NFL, but it's not I'm not too upset about it. I I'm, I'm really not because I kind of felt like the Ravens were going to win that game. And I know that sounds like a cop out cuz I picked the Patriots, but it's like you're never going to pick against the Patriots. It's really hard to just to fully believe that the Patriots are going to lose any given week, especially this year. And even though they were on the road, and Lamar Jackson has been a superstar of the highest order, I just couldn't in good faith pick against the Patriots. And I kind of felt like the Ravens were going to win. That's not what I put on record, and that doesn't count, you know, it doesn't count uh, at all either. You know What you think was going to happen. What did you say was going to happen. Not what actually happened. So we're going to move forward into this week and we're going to stick to our gut. Okay. We're not going to, we're not going to go off of what sounds right or what we, what we think looks good. We're going to trust our gut and we're going to get back to being psychics. So that's exactly what I am. First game, tonight's game. We actually have a pretty good slate of games here. I'm not going to lie. These three games are going to be very interesting and you will be able to watch all three of these games because they're all primetime, uh, night games to start, uh, starting with tonight. Uh, Thursday night football tonight's actually not a bad game. As much as I dump on Thursday night football, we actually have a pretty good game tonight. I almost said San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers on the road in the black hole for the final time against the Oakland Raiders. Okay, the Raiders were my favorite team over the course of the summer, not because they were I thought they were going to win, but because they were just they were great for content. Okay, they were fantastic for making fun of and just for making jokes. They I so they were my favorite team coming into the season. Then there was the that was before all the Antonio Brown stuff. I I was laughing at the Raiders before they even got Antonio Brown. And then they did get Antonio Brown and then it was just a expletive storm. Okay, you can fill in the blank there if you choose. It was just the worst for them and the best for me. I was having tons of fun with the Raiders. And then they got rid of Antonio Brown. And then the season started. And it turns out, the Oakland Raiders are actually kind of good. They're actually not bad. They're in the playoff race in the AFC. It is not out of the question. And it's actually a realistic possibility that they make the playoffs as a wildcard team. Can you believe it? And how beautiful. What kind of... You couldn't write a better story. Antonio Brown will likely be on his couch at home watching the Oakland Raiders in the NFL postseason. Life uh, finds a way. This is just too beautiful. And they're actually a very good team. The Chargers are... I'm not a fan of the Chargers this year. I thought they would be a much bigger challenger to the Chiefs for the division. That is clearly not the case. They're so up and down... You don't know what you're going to get from the Chargers on any given week. They are clearly not the team that they were last year. Um, I'm actually taking the Raiders tonight at home on Thursday Night Football. Can you believe it? I think they're actually going to come and come to play tonight. I think John Gruen's going to have these guys ready to play in prime time and make a statement and say, we are, I think this is their chance to prove that they are a playoff team. Come December, January... Well, not January because it would already be set, but come December... When it gets down to the playoff race and we're looking at teams, we're going, to look at, we're going to look back at this game and say, this is why the Raiders are or are not in the playoffs. This is a statement game for Oakland. And I think they're going to show up tonight. I like the Raiders on Thursday Night Football. Can you believe it? This is the first time we've had the Raiders on a game, I, I, I believe, that, we, that we've picked. And we're taking the Raiders. So unbelievable. What a turnaround it is for Oakland and John Gruden. Fantastic. Then Sunday night, another big game vikings and the cowboys another statement game for both of these teams vikings and the cowboys are almost identical they're literally they're very similarly stru- uh, structured they have played out this season very similarly they start off well the cowboys started off ideally and they lose three straight and now it looks like the wheels are starting to turn and they're actually getting things going again the vikings the same thing did not get off to quite the start that they were hoping for and yet they're sitting at I believe 6 and 2, 7 and 2. I will check that for you right now. They're 6 and 3. Vikings are 6 and 3, the Cowboys are 6 and 3. And it looks like the the Vikings are finally starting to get that offense going. Kirk Cousins is finally he's not a superstar, but he's playing better than what he was at the beginning of the season. That is for damn sure. He's no longer the worst quarterback in the division. That's, you know, at least it's Mitchell Trubisky. It it could be worse if you're Chris if you're Kirk Cousins. And they're getting things going uh, in Minnesota, as they are in Dallas, coming off of a bye. I'm actually going to take the Cowboys this week in Sunday night, and here's why. Despite Kirk Cousins getting things going in the offense, finally looking more fluid and more balanced, uh, Adam Thielen is probably not going to play. Stephon Diggs has been pretty streaky this year. Uh, and they have Kirk Cousins, who as um, in his career, statistically, and I'm not just making this up, is actually the worst quarterback in NFL history playing uh, primetime night games. As specific as a stat as that is, Kirk Cousins is horrendous at night games on nationally televised um, channels or games. He's terrible on nationally televised games at night. It's extremely specific, but he is literally the worst. I believe he has one win in his career in games played at night on nationally televised games, the difference in this game will be Dak Prescott. He actually plays very well um, in these prime time uh, big games. Dak Prescott, you know, as much as people like to bag on him, and as much as I bag on bag on him as well, I don't tear him to shreds. But he he's not Pat Mahomes. Okay, I think we all feel comfortable saying that. He comes to play when the Cowboys need him the most. I think this game's going to come down to a last uh, uh, fourth quarter drive. Maybe it's to ice the game. Maybe it's to take the lead. I think Dak Prescott will be the difference in this game on Sunday night. I'm going to take the boys um, for Sunday night football. Then finally, Monday night. can watch all three of these games uh, on TV this week. You don't have to worry about getting the ticket or anything like that. They will all be on TV. Seattle Seahawks on the road. I almost said a candlestick. i was going way back. Uh, in Levi Stadium. That's right. It's not candlestick anymore. Hasn't been candlestick in like five or six years. I don't know why... I I I still associate the Forty ers with, with Candlestick Park. You should have never left there. I you got you should you have to renovate Candlestick Park. What a great name that is, by the way. You say Candlestick, you immediately think Forty ers Why? I mean, Levi Stadium. I'm I've never been there. I'm sure it's beautiful, but I'm a traditionalist. I love old stadiums. I I, I like traditional. I like teams that have played, I like Wrigley Field. Wrigley Field's been around since like the 1900s. Fenway Park uh dodger stadium i wish the yankees had stayed in, in old yankee stadium and just renovated that but you know when do i ever get what i want so this game despite all that will be played in Levi stadium uh hosting the 49 or hosting the seattle seahawks rather um against uh san francisco 49ers 49ers have been on a shred this year i mean they have been they've been fantastic um i thought they'd be good i thought they'd be improved from last year I did not think they would be this good. And I don't know how many people felt that way either because they, I mean, they're fantastic. And yet, and maybe this is a me problem. I don't know if they're the best team in the NFC. As silly as that may sound, as dominant as they have been, I cannot in good faith say, say that the 49ers are the best team in the NFC. You still have the Saints who are returning Drew Brees. Okay. You still have Aaron Rodgers and the Packers who are I, I I would probably lean toward the Packers right now. Me personally, my preference, I would lean towards the Packers. Because they have a good defense um as well. I mean nowhere near San Francisco, of course, but their defense is much improved. And they have a guy by the name of Aaron Rodgers. Uh Seattle, who they will play this Monday night, they have a superstar in Russell Wilson as well. Um and that's probably the upper echelon in the NFC, those those four or five teams. The Seahawks, the Forty ers the Saints and the Packers. Those four teams are probably the top dogs in the NFC. And then the next tier, you have like the Cowboys, uh, the Vikings. Sure. I mean, the second, who, who, we're not doing a tier list, but you get what I'm saying. The top four teams in the NFC are, are as followed. I, I can't definitively say that the 49ers are the best team in the NFC. And here's why let's compare them to the other teams that I just listed Seattle, Green Bay, and New Orleans. Of those four teams who has the best quarterback, who has the worst quarterback, you'd probably say Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not terrible. I mean, by no stretch of the imagination, is Jimmy Garoppolo bad? But are we taking Jimmy Garoppolo over Russell Wilson? Are we taking him over Drew Brees? Are we taking him over Aaron Rodgers? No. Okay. Um, So I I think that's that's the difference. Jimmy Garoppolo, again, I've said it all year, I sound like a broken record, has not proven that he is a difference maker. It's been the defense, and it has been phenomenal. They had have, they have the right formula for Jimmy Garoppolo to succeed, but come playoff time. It's, it's kind of like in baseball. Come playoff time, I don't care what your lineup looks like. It's about starting pitching. It just is. The Washington Nationals won the World Series because they had Strasburg and Scherzer and then Corbin, and uh, they could just throw anyone they wanted at you at any given time. That's why they won the World Series. It's about starting pitching. In the playoffs, this is, right, this is why quarterbacks get paid so much. It's about quarterback play. It, it just is. And is Jimmy Garoppolo the guy that you would, is that the first name you would pick if I told you you had to pick someone to get you a, a win, a fourth quarter game-winning drive in the playoffs? Would, you have, would the first name be Jimmy Garoppolo? Or would it be Pat Mahomes, Tom Brady, was in the AFC, and then in the NFC, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and Russell Wilson? It's probably one of those other guys. So I am actually, I mean, I'm going on a huge rant here, but long story short, Monday Night Football, I'm actually going to take Seattle. I'm actually picking the Seahawks to upset the San Francisco 49ers and ruin their perfect season because they have Russell Wilson and the 49ers don't. This league is about quarterbacks. It, it, it just is, especially in the postseason. Not in the postseason just yet. But I think Seattle has a better quarterback. Not I think I know they have the better quarterback. I think Russell Wilson will be the difference in this game. We saw what Lamar Jackson did to the, to the Patriots on Sunday night. They had no answer for him. And that was Lamar Jackson, stud. Russell Wilson, a stud in his own right. I think he will be the difference in Monday Night Football. So there are your NFL picks. Now on to our college football picks. And we have uh, some pretty bad news for you. Unfortunately, last week, for the first time this season, we had a losing week in college football. I know. I know. Been two bad weeks in a row for us. We lose our 15-game winning streak last year, last week, at the hands of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and then this week, to follow up that performance, we have a one-and-two week in college football. I know it's 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 a a Greek tragedy. It's just truly unfortunate. We went one-and-two uh, picking games last week had Washington over Utah. And they were up in that game. Washington was up 14 at home against Utah. How do you lose that lead? And they blow the lead and they lose that game. Very unfortunate. That was the difference in our winning week. Washington hangs on at home. Utah is out of the playoff race. We're 2-1. We have another winning week. But unfortunately, we did not get what we were asking for. Uh, then we had, what was the, oh, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party? Florida was just outplayed that game. You know what they they just they they couldn't really get anything going. There was no uh, rhythm in the offense for Florida. I watched the game; it was a fantastic game. Just I mean they they were just outplayed, quite frankly, on Saturday. The dogs uh, take that one. Georgia over Florida. Then finally we had it was the easiest game of the week. Uh, Oregon and USC. Oregon just flat out rolling over the Trojans in the Coliseum. It was it was bad. That game was just bad. And actually, what's funny about that is that USC actually came to play for the first half of the first half. I mean, they were that game should have been up. They should have been up like seventeen nothing. Uh, Keaton Slova starts off the game hot. Justin Herbert came out. He, he played ugly to start that game, and at the flip of a switch, Oregon. Well, not at the flip of a switch. At the flip of Keaton Slovis turning the ball over three times in the first half, Oregon scored 21 straight points, and that was all she wrote from there. That game was over in a hurry. Uh, Clay Hilton not sleeping too well these days, but we did pick the Ducks to win that game, and they did. So, I mean, I guess that was the difference between going 1 and 2 and 0 and 3. So, there's that. Um, before we get to our picks, I want to get you our college football playoff rankings, the first official college football playoff rankings. Of the season last week, we had our own crowd noise ones. We had Penn State in the top four. Uh, no one really cared because no one listens to the show. But then, lo and behold, the college, the college football playoff committee has Penn State in the top four, and everyone loses their minds. We live in a society, so I mean, I just want to get to that really quick. Number, or we'll go, I'll go ten to one because it's more exciting that way. Number ten, uh, we had the Florida Gators are still in the top ten after losing to Georgia. And then we have the Oklahoma Sooners, uh, number eight, Utah number seven, Oregon, number uh, six, uh, we're getting into the first two teams out here, number six, Georgia, number five, Clemson, they are not in the top four currently at the first college football playoff rankings, Uh, number four, Penn State, who I had in the top four as well, number three, Alabama, and then number two, LSU, and number one, the Ohio State, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Had Penn State in the top four last week, I did, no one cares, then the college football playoff committee has them in the top four. And everyone goes, just goes bonkers. I'm getting DMs from people left and right. How is Penn State in the top four? And I said, how are they not in the top four? And yeah, so I just want to point out, I had, the Psychic had that a week, a week out. So I just want you to guys to, to give you some credit there. Penn State's a great team, and they are clearly in the better conference. You can't even begin to defend the ACC over the Big Ten right now. They have two teams, and even if you feel Clemson is in the top four and you want to swap them out for Penn State, fine, whatever. The Big Ten has, even at that point, two teams in the top five, okay? And Wisconsin is number 13. That means they have three teams in the top 15. So you can't even begin to tell me that that Clemson plays in a tougher uh, conference, that they've had a tougher schedule than Penn State, and they have a tougher schedule going forward. You cannot even begin to make that argument. Cannot. And Penn State, down the road, will play Ohio State. So that's another potential resume game for Penn State. And I said last week, at this moment in time, and I emphasized it, I mean, as much as I possibly could, at this current moment, this week in college football, Penn State is amongst the top four teams in the nation. That could change, because Penn State could lose to Ohio State and potentially another team down the road and Clemson is going to go undefeated. You know what Clemson is like? They're like Notre Dame last year. They are a good team. They're not bad. They are a very good team, but they haven't had the games to justify it. We can't truly compare Clemson to Ohio State, LSU, Penn State, because they haven't played the same level of competition that those schools have played. And even Alabama, that's another, people, that's another team that people are complaining about. They get LSU this week. Okay, They're going to see Georgia eventually, pot- potentially if they, if they win this week. They're, they will have the games on their resume. They will because they played a much better conference. The SEC and the ACC is no comparison. Alabama will. They haven't had those games yet. They, ha- they did beat A&M on the road. and That's not even really a, a true resume game. But that's also the best team that Clemson has played is Texas A&M. So if you're saying Alabama has no resume, you have to admit Clemson has no resume either because they have both played. Their best wins are against the same team, are Clemson and Alabama. So I feel at this moment in time, Clemson should be at number five. And I I agree with the committee. I don't care that they're they're the defending national champion. That was last year. Okay? Last season. We're talking about this week, this year. And so let's get into this week, this year. Our first game. We have some pretty good games this week. Uh, Number four, Penn State. On the road against number 17, Michigan, P.J. Fleck. Row the boat! He just signs a seven-year contract contract. Good for uh, good for Minnesota. P.J. Fleck obviously can coach. We saw what he did at Western Michigan. The Golden Gophers are undefeated this year, and I feel probably underrated. They're amongst the few undefeated teams in the nation, they, and they pull in at number 17 in the college football playoff rankings, and they're undefeated. I feel like they're slightly uh, underrated. They're probably not making the playoff. I'm not saying they should be top 10, but top 15, I mean, come on. They're undefeated. How can they not be in the top 15 if you're if you're undefeated on the season still. That that doesn't really make much sense. But PJ Fleck does get a nice fat contract uh to reward him for his uh I mean historic start uh at, at Minnesota. And again, another testament to the Big 10. This will be another resume game for Penn State. If you don't think Clemson is better if you don't think Penn State, excuse me, is better than Clemson, this should show you why they are. They're playing an undefeated team in the Big 10 that's number 17. Number 17, and they're undefeated. That's who Penn State gets uh, this week. They will play on the road. This will be a tough game. Penn State can lose this game. I don't think they will, and I'm not going to pick them to lose because I've been gassing up the Nittany Lions this entire week to everyone who's been complaining. So it would be kind of hypocritical if I've been gassing up Penn State and then say, well, they're probably going to lose anyway to Minnesota. I'm going to take Penn State on the road against a very good Minnesota team. Underrated, grossly, I would feel, at number 17 uh, are the Minnesota Golden gophers Clemson doesn't have games like this even though Minnesota again is not a playoff caliber team no of course not but they are undefeated and they are a top 25 ranked team Clemson has nothing like that within their division this year they just don't and it's not their fault it's the rest of the ACC's fault they're this the ACC is terrible they might be the worst conference in college football okay they're bad the only other ranked team I believe in the ACC is Wake Forest and no disrespect to Wake Forest but uh, they're, not, they're not the same caliber uh, opponents as Minnesota or Ohio State, for that matter, or Michigan, which Penn State will, have, will face in the Big Ten this year. I'm going to take Penn State um, and justify their number four ranking in the college football playoff uh, rankings. On to our second game. And two more, how about this? I didn't even do this intentionally. I swear on my life. I did not do this intentionally. But every game is just proving my point for me. Number 18, Iowa. And number at on the road in uh, in Madison, number 13, Wisconsin. Two more Big Ten teams that are ranked in the top 25. You cannot tell me that Penn State is not a top four team in the nation when they're still undefeated uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, Iowa's a very good team as well, playing in the Big Ten. Wisconsin, kind of a disappointment. Wisconsin, I felt, was probably maybe the biggest challenger to Ohio State. Including Penn State, I think I thought Penn State and Wisconsin were the next two teams that were going to challenge Ohio State in the big 10, and then Wisconsin kind of just fell apart. They had that loss to Illinois, and they're, I mean they're not making the playoff. I think they're a little bit overrated. You have Wisconsin ranked over Minnesota, and Wisconsin already has two losses. Wisconsin number 13, you have uh, Minnesota at 17. A little bit unfair in my book. We should be rewarding these teams for winning. It's hard to win eight, nine straight games. It, it just is. Ask Wisconsin. I do think they will win this week, uh, however, because they do have Jonathan Taylor. Potentially the best running back in the country still. I think he's going to be the difference in this game. He's a superstar. Probably a first-round pick. Potentially a top-15 pick in the NFL. Jonathan Taylor is a superstar. I think he will be the difference in this game. And another testament to how deep the Big Ten Conference is. And another testament to how good Penn State is still being undefeated. And finally... The moment you've all been waiting for. The game of the season. The game that will define the, co- the final four teams selected into the college football playoff. Here we go. Eastern Carolina at number, twi- no, at number 25, SMU. By this time you should have figured out, I'm totally kidding. Number 2, LSU, the Bayou Bengals. On the road at number 3, Alabama, the Tide. This game is it, it. We've had this game multiple times over the over the past ten to fifteen years. Number one LSU, number two Alabama. Number one Alabama, number two LSU, and we get it again this year in the AP ranking. I believe LSU is number one and Alabama's number two. But since we have our our college football playoff rankings, that's what I'm switching to now. Is similar to the BCS rankings of like ten fifteen years ago. Once you get to that, that's what I'm switching to because that's that's what actually matters come selection Sunday and come you know deciding bowl games so we're going to switch to the college football playoff rankings LSU is number 2 Alabama is number 3 watch if you watched any second of mainstream sports media uh this week and by the way I want to commend you because if you're listening to this to this show and you have been listening you are officially an indie sports listener because you cannot get any more underground than the crowd noise podcast and so I just want to congratulate you and commend you because you this is the price you pay for being Indie. You may not ever consider yourself being an indie person. You like maybe mainstream music, mainstream movies. You watch things like Avengers, which I do too. I love the Avengers. But if you listen to this podcast, you are 110,000% indie. You should feel good about it. I'm indie as well. I love uh, indie music. So give yourself a pat on the back there for being an early adopter. Um, Back to the games. If you have been watching any mainstream media, uh, mainstream sports media, ESPN, Fox Sports will have you believe that this game is a runaway game for Alabama because Alabama has beaten LSU over the years every single time they've beaten. Every time they played each other, Alabama wins in these 1-2, and 2-3, two, two and 1-4 and four matchups. Every single time, Alabama has won. Similarly, while I have told you Clemson should not be in the top four because of what they have done in the past, I will tell you Alabama is not going to win this game because of what they've done in the past. Beating LSU over the course of these years is not going to matter come this Saturday. It's going to, what's going to decide this game is, and get ready for this analysis, whoever scores more points than the other team by the time the fourth quarter is over, that's who's going to win the game this week. And I know that sounds silly, but in all seriousness... That doesn't matter. I don't care how many times Alabama has beaten LSU. This is a different LSU team. Isn't that why we love LSU so much this year? Because it's a different team. It's a different culture. They can score now and still defend with the best teams in the nation. This is why LSU is number two in the college football playoff rankings, why they're number one in the AP top 25 rankings. They are extremely good. I think LSU is better than Alabama this year. I think LSU knows they're better than Alabama this year. And again, they have Joe Burrow, and Tua Togavailoa is a stud. He's a superstar. I get it, but Joe Burrow's having a different kind of year this year. LSU is rolling. I think Coach O has that team. Just they have the kind of mentality that they've always had, but they have the team to back it up. Like, cause they've kind of all they have been underdogs, and I don't really like to use the term underdogs when describing LSU. But they haven't been Alabama, Georgia, and even Auburn in the SEC over the past. 10 15 years they've always had the talent but it's never it's never come to fruition for lsu what i'm trying to say it's never been a full effort it's not it hasn't all come together for lsu over the course of the years this is the year where it's all coming together everything the offense the defense the coaching and look at lsu's resume they've already beaten florida they've beaten texas they have already two top 10 wins on their resume and they're looking to add another one here I like the Bay- the Bayou Bengals. I like the Tigers to beat Alabama this week. And I might be one of the only people in the country who is taking that stance. I like the Tigers to win this week. So there are your college football playoff uh, picks for the week. And now sticking with college football, like I said at the top of the show, there is some nudes uh, coming out of the West Coast and the Pac-12 specifically. The University of Southern California has now hired Mike Bond as their new athletic director. Um, he, Mike Bond, former athletic director of the Cincinnati Bearcats, now makes his uh, way over to the West Coast to take over for USC. Um, and that's a very big deal. USC has not had a, an AD um, for quite some time now. Um, they haven't had a true athletic director for even longer than that. They now have a president at the university. So there's finally, and I don't know when's the last time I've been able to say this, but there's finally some level of stability at USC. And the reason why this is such an important hire is because Mike Bond, the new athletic director at USC, is, uh, his former job is, uh, what, what would you call it? Let me, What are the words here I'm looking for? Uh, oh, that's right. Athletic director. They hired an athletic director to be the athletic director. Now that might seem like it's like a pretty obvious choice, but if you have not followed USC athletics the way I have over the past um, 20 years, USC does not hire athletic directors to be the athletic director. They hire former athletes who played at the school to be the athletic director. Um, There is a certain level of hero worship at USC, both good and bad. USC is known for taking care of their alumni probably better than any other university in the country. Just I mean, just ask Carson Palmer, Matt Leiner what happens when they set foot on campus. Ask Reggie Bush what happens when he sets foot on campus. USC takes care of their alumni, okay? But they needed to make this higher. They needed like I said earlier, some stability. They needed a true leader. Pat Hayden, Lynn Swan, horrendous. Left the program, not necessarily in shambles, but it was a ship without a captain, without any direction. They had no leadership, and they had no direction, as I just said. I mean, there was just no cohesiveness around the athletics at at USC. You had the the, um, admission scandal. That falls under Lynn Swan, who probably... And again, the reason why I bring this up is because they're former athletes. And yes, they were great during their time at USC but they're not this job is not for them kind of talked about this a few weeks ago um, with Michael Jordan no one is here to discredit Michael Jordan as a basketball player but maybe as a front office executive not the greatest and maybe not cut out for this job you could say that about Lynn Swan and Pat Hayden legends at the University of Southern California lousy athletic directors did not get the job done And I don't remember the last time USC actually had a non-USC alumnus as their athletic director. Has zero ties to the West Coast. Has zero ties to USC. And that is a great thing. They needed a fresh set of eyes and ears to run the operation at USC. Okay, got that out of the way. Mike Bond, new AD um, for USC. Why should I care? Here's why. Clay Helton is in the hottest seat in the nation in college football he's fired okay you know what his seat's not even hot anymore it's just fully ablaze because he is fired pun fully intended he's done okay he's not coming back you don't get wrong and actually it was the worst loss to oregon in over 100 years usc had the worst loss i'm going to say it again to oregon in the last 100 years Since the year 1919, USC has not lost as bad as they did this past Saturday night to the Oregon Ducks as they did this previous Saturday night. And it's never happened in 100 years. It's the worst loss they've ever had to Oregon. He's done. Clay Hilton, it's over. It's just over. So what's the next move for our new AD at USC, Mike Bond? Some people say he should not hire Urban Meyer. Because of the scandals and the stories that have followed Urban Meyer everywhere he's gone, he's won everywhere he's been. Florida, obviously Ohio State, and they haven't always been the smoothest, um, shall we say, tenures at at those universities. And nothing that has happened with Urban Meyer has happened specifically with Urban Meyer. It's happened under urban meyer perhaps a little bit of a lack of supervision um not with this player well with with his players and his coaching staff there has been a somewhat of a lack of supervision this is why you bring in mike bond to add the stability and add the supervision that perhaps urban meyer doesn't provide you want your coach to be in, in on the same page as your ad and your ad is the same page as your president this is why you bring in Mike Bond someone who I mean, you think about Cincinnati they're a good athletic school they're not a football school they're not a basketball school they're successful in every single sport that should be a testament to Mike Bond and, and what he has done in his career and I think a great hire for USC and only time will tell if it actually is but at the time I mean at this moment in time I feel like a great hire for the Trojans because of what he has done in Cincinnati and because he will not have any bias towards USC he's going to call it how he sees it and I think that's a great thing something that USC has not had in maybe my lifetime. So I think that's a good thing. And my point uh, or my personal opinion on people uh, for people who say that Mike Bond should not hire uh, urban Meyer. I feel like USC would not have hired anyone who did not intend to go fully after urban Meyer. This is USC. Okay. It's a West coast. It's Los Angeles. You don't just hire anyone. You have to hire a star. The Dodgers bring in superstars every single year at the trade deadline. They bring in you, Darvish. They bring in Manny Machado. They're looking to bring in Francisco Lindor over the course of the winter. The Los Angeles Lakers didn't just build a team from scratch, they brought in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. The Los Angeles Rams don't just draft well, they also bring in guys like Indominic and Sue. And then Jalen Ramsey and Aqib Taleb And they shipped out some of those guys as well. But they do bring in those stars. This is Southern California. You can't just go out and get anybody. anybody. And now P.J. Fleck, who is a star in college football. He's locked up in Minnesota. He's not going anywhere for seven years. James Franklin is another name floating around. Why in the world would he leave Penn State? They're number four in the nation. They're undefeated. This is the best team he's ever had at Penn State. He's not going anywhere. Urban Meyer is just sitting at Fox across the street whose headquarters is, are in Los Angeles doing nothing. And not to say he's not working hard, but I would assume he gets a little bored from time to time hanging out with, oh, who guess who? Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart. There is no way that USC cannot go after Urban Meyer. And maybe Urban Meyer turns you down. Who knows? Maybe he enjoys doing nothing at Fox Studios and just talking for half an hour in a day and reeling in all kinds of money. Low-stress job. He might, t- he might choose that over USC. But you cannot not make an effort to go after Urban Meyer. Who else would you go get? You're not getting in Lincoln Riley. Okay? You're not getting another guy to move laterally to USC from another top program. And I know what you're about to say. Well, what about Pete Carroll came from a small program, failed in the NFL. We all know Pete Carroll's personality. He was tailor-made for USC. Pete Carroll is a star as well. Really quirky guy, big personality, talks a lot. He was made for USC. Pete Carroll was a star in the making. Urban Meyer is a star already made. He is the one who can resurrect this program. Who can already? He has proven already he can win anywhere. And you can make an argument: USC would be the biggest brand that he's ever coached for. Bigger brand than Florida, that is for sure. Cannot argue with me that Florida is a bigger brand in college football than USC. Then you have Ohio State. Probably make a good argument for Ohio State, but I, I'm leaning towards SC, the Pac-12 aficionado. I'm leaning towards the West Coast. I, I just am. Can't argue the tradition and the history at USC. And Ohio State's a blue blood program as well. But again, I would, I would lean towards USC as being the, the bigger brand in college football. USC just had their worst recruiting class in over 25 years under Clay Helton. Urban Meyer is a master recruiter. And that's again, at Florida, at Ohio State, what is he going to do when you have Sonny in 73, 365 days of the year, and USC at his disposal? You can go nuts in recruiting. And USC has lot of lo- lost a lot of homegrown talent in California, and specific in- specifically in Los Angeles. California is a football state the best high school football state in the nation. I'm gonna say it for you again. The best high school football state in the nation is California. Urban Meyer would have a field day recruiting from programs in, in California. There's no way that Mike Bond cannot not go after Urban Meyer. And I feel like there was no way he was hired without the intention of going to get Urban Meyer. Clay Helton is gone. We don't that's that ship has sailed. He he's he's a lame duck. He's not. He's not coming back. He's just filling in. He's just keeping the seat warm for the next for the next head coach. And it should be, and it will be, Urban Meyer. They do not make this hire, Mike Bond. Without I, I, I can't imagine how the interview goes. They have to ask him, Who do you plan on bringing in as your next head coach? And if he says, Well, anyone but Urban Meyer, I can't imagine that he gets that that AD job. I can't imagine that USC brings in anyone without the intention of them looking to go get urban Myers our next head coach and again who does he work with on a daily basis reggie bush and matt leinard who have already said publicly they're recruiting him that's what they've told us already we're going to try and get him at sc so we don't even know what the extent is behind the scenes how often they're trying to get him to go to usc and he already lives in los angeles he already works there he has to go across the street to take this job It's not like if he were to go to Notre Dame, which is another program that's kind of rumored to to go after Urban Meyer, though less so, because Brian Kelly, phenomenal coach, especially when you compare him to Clay Helton. He doesn't have to move across the country. He's going across the street to USC. I I don't understand how you could not want Urban Meyer at USC. It's in LA. It's a city of stars, and it's a city of winners. And Urban Meyer has proven in college football that he is both... A superstar and a winner. Now let's go to the quote of the week. Like to close out every single show with the best quote that I heard from the previous week, and we like to call it the quote of the week. We are very literal people here at the Crowd Noise Podcast. Here we go. Let's keep it in Southern California. Quote: Hashtag washed King. LeBron James. And this was not a direct quote, it was a tweet, though we do consider tweets quotes as well. It's 2019, okay? I don't need, you don't need to actually say it verbally to have said something. Social media is a very important part of sports culture in today. It just, it just is. So this is, qualifies for quote of the week. And it does because it was actually a quoted tweet. So it's literally the quote of the week, but... Over the course of the summer, people have written off LeBron James. Some people, I don't know who, but a few people have. I was not one of those people. I wasn't bailing out on LeBron James. And I said it, you know, over the Lakers' debacle last year was on the front office. Though you could share some of the blame with LeBron James because he is the face of the franchise. He's the best player. I think that was fair, though. It was not his fault. Maybe 20% of, 10% of what happened to the Lakers last year was on LeBron. He, he couldn't construct the roster last year. And now he finally has a true partner in crime and a real roster in LA. And going back to what I said earlier, uh, after one game, they lose to the Clippers and teams that were, I mean, people were just riding off the Lakers. It wasn't going to work. Anthony Davis was, didn't mesh with LeBron. People were, I mean, people were killing him after one game. And since, and since that game, they are actually 6 0. LeBron James now has had three straight triple doubles on the road. Anthony Davis is contributing. In ways that even people really couldn't even imagine, Dwight Howard looks like—I mean, his career is revitalized. He—he's one of the main keys to this Laker team. Actually, is Dwight Howard? He's playing phenomenal. I mean, he's just—he's rim running constantly. He's defending the rim. He's getting rebounds. Taking a lot of pressure off of Javale McGee and specifically, uh, obviously, Anthony Davis. Okay, because they can't. They can't throw the, the entire weight of the world on Anthony Davis. Um, they're they're taking care of him. And Dwight Howard is one of the biggest reasons they're able to do that. The Lakers are fun. They're so much fun to watch. It's constant pick and roll lobs. It's constant fast break, full court passes. This is what the Lakers were meant to be. This is what they, the people this is what people expected them to be last year with Lonzo and LeBron, like lots of rim running. Pick and roll, fast break, you know, and it, it it never materialized. And now they finally have it this season, and Anthony Davis is, is is helping LeBron, I think more than potentially even than LeBron imagined. And you see it, he because a lot of people said he was washed. This is where he gets the hashtag washed king from, because uh, a lot of people saying that he he was done. Past his prime, obviously, the game had passed him a little bit. Now it's Kawhi's turn, Giannis's turn, um, and LeBron James, he's, he's tearing the league into shreds. He's taking the league by storm this year. Actually, LeBron James was underrated coming into the season. And I don't remember if I said it on the show specifically. I may or may not have that, I don't remember. But it was hard for me to declare LeBron James not the best player in the league. I I couldn't definitively say it without being proven otherwise. And Kawhi Leonard is great. But we did not see... And he had a... The reason why he earned that title, or why many people feel he earned that title, best player in the league, is because of what he did last postseason. The 2019 Kawhi Leonard Raptors run is going to be one of the great postseason runs in basketball history. It just is. He was phenomenal. But he did that without having to face LeBron James. He did that without having to face really even Kevin Durant, only faced him for about one half. And he did face Giannis in the East and was able to take care of him. But LeBron James was not present for any of those series in the East or in the finals. So I wasn't, I wasn't ready to declare Kawhi the best just yet. I wasn't. Now I'm kind of glad that I had waited a little bit. Because I'm a believer in being an early adopter. But there's sometimes times when you have to be a little bit patient. You can't jump the gun. This is one of those cases. LeBron James is reminding everyone just exactly who he is cuz he has a roster, he has a roster now. He has a true sidekick in Anthony Davis who's been phenomenal. He has a supporting cast off the bench. Dwight Howard is, is maybe the MVP of the Lakers this year. When they when it comes down and they say who's the team MVP, Dwight Howard should be should should win it. At this point, and of course the season could change. It's only been one week. But the Lakers are fun. They play defense. They play fast. They're working very well together. The chemistry is off the charts. And I said they were gonna start off slow. I was dead wrong on that. They're six and one. They're sitting atop the Western Conference at the number one seed. They're great. And they might I mean they're playing better than the Clippers right now. They just are. They're playing better basketball than the Clippers. They're playing team basketball. They're playing how the Clippers are supposed to be playing. Defensively and in team oriented basketball and the clippers are still good. I think they're 5 and 3 or 4 and 3. They're not terrible and again the season's still just getting started. And I don't even mean to overreact here, but the lakers look pretty scary. The lakers look pretty good right now and LeBron James specifically looks polished. I think those that extra month and a half that he got off from not making the playoffs, I mean, it was it was vital for him to get to get those uh those games off and to not not have to play into late June, you're seeing the difference that it was paying uh, to start the season. The Lakers are phenomenal. It's because of LeBron. It's because of Anthony Davis. It's because of Dwight Howard. I cannot I cannot praise Dwight Howard enough and what he's done for the. La- I mean, he's he's fantastic. He is he's just great. He's playing phenomenal right now. Danny Green is doing his part. Avery Bradley is defending like nobody's business. Uh, Quinn Cook is is getting into the fun as well. He's playing some defense. He's hitting some open shots. They look great. And they haven't even gotten back Kyle Kuzma. He has played. He has returned, but he's not at full strength. He's not playing the normal amount of minutes or the minutes that he's uh, expected to take on. His minutes are only going to increase. His responsibility is only going to increase. The Lakers are fantastic right now, and they're only going to get better. That is going to take us to the end of this week's episode appreciate you guys stopping by and sticking around um we got alabama lsu this saturday that is prime time oh i can't wait for that game that's it's like a national championship game you know two months three months in advance i cannot wait college basketball is back that's going to be on every day from now until march i you know i love hearing that and then tonight in the meantime we do have a good game on thursday night football the Raiders and the Chargers, I think the Raiders are going to win that game. I think it'll be a fun game to watch. I mean, hell must have frozen over. I actually am excited for Thursday night football. I can't, I can't believe that. I'm sure you're just as shocked as, as I am, uh, but I'm definitely going to watch that game. I encourage you to watch it as well. Um, enjoy the rest of the games this week, and I will talk to you next Thursday.